Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. I want to, um, first of all, thank Pastor Taylor and um, all the elders for taking out time to, um, to train young men to be leaders um, and also giving us the privilege to share the gospel uh, with others. Um, also want to thank them for correcting us when we go to the left. So I um, <laughs> want to thank um, all the elders, Pastor Taylor, and also want to thank those who have been praying for me um, for this time, um, because we know that prayer is needed anytime I speak. <laughs> um, today's message is, um, today's message I titled, Crucial Conversations. Crucial Conversations. Oftentimes when a person is dying, um, whether they have a week to go, two weeks to go, we tend to listen more attentively to all the things that they are saying in those last hours. Um, many other things that they say are unforgettable. Uh, when my grandmother was dying about two years ago, one of the things that she shared with us is that she wanted all of us to get along. My grandmother had 13 kids. So with all those personalities, it can be quite hard for everybody to get along. But one of the things that she really stressed is that I want all my kids to get along. I want them all to get along and to love one another. If, we, if you turn in your Bibles to the book of John, Jesus is in this same very predicament. Um, this is the week known as Passion Week. Um, here in John chapter 15, it's a few days before he goes to the cross, and he's sharing a message with his disciples, a very crucial message to his disciples that he wants them to take heed to. So in John 15, verses 12 through 17, we're going to look at what Jesus said to his disciples. And he says this, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. That is Jesus message to his disciples a few days before he goes to the cross. I'm not quite sure that his disciples really understood what he was saying here, but he was definitely making a message. Um, in these verses, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at Christ's command, his connection, and his commission for his disciples. Um, let's look at his command. His command was that you love one another as I have loved you. And that's in John 15, uh, verse 12. This command, he was speaking, of course, to his disciples, um, was, it wasn't a new commandment. Some may consider this the 11th commandment. If you turn in your Bibles to um, John, flip one page back, 1334, he says, 
a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So is this the 11th commandment? The answer is no. (laughs) And in essence, it wasn't necessarily a new commandment. The commandment to love was not new, right? What made it new was when Jesus said that to love one another instead of your neighbor, love one another, take out neighbor, love one another as I have loved you. Now, that, that's a whole new standard of love, which is a sacrificial love. It's a Christ type love. His love for us is on a whole nother level than what man can imagine. This love that Jesus is talking about here is an agape love. And it's defined as this um, to esteem love, indicating a direction of the will and finding one's joy in something. It's a sacrificial love. It's not based on emotion. It's an act of the will. So even when you don't feel like being nice to someone, you should be nice to them anyway. There's a saying out there, don't get caught in your feelings. A lot of times we can operate out of our feelings, and that's not the best way to go. Get your feelings in check and and do 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 what's right to do by God's standard. Not by man, but do what's right by God. The extent of his love was this. He says, as I have loved you, Christ's standard supersedes man's, right? So he's setting a whole new standard of love. And if we can attain that, we'll be getting there. And that's what every Christian's goal should be, is that we achieve his standard of love. Now let's look at his connection. And this is in John 15 Verse 15, he says, but I have called you friends. And he says, no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things I have heard from my father. I have made known to you his connections to his disciples was that he now called them friends. And friends in the Greek means a friend at court. And I'm not talking about the courts as you guys, or we may think of it. I'm talking about a king's court, an emperor's court. So in the Greek, it means a friend at court. It describes that inner circle around a king or emperor. And back then, they had some people that were considered friends of the king. And I consider that a very interesting title um, to be friends of the kings, because if you're a believer, you are a friend of the king. And John 329, it refers to the best man at a wedding. So the ideal here is that this is a very close person to you. The best man at a wedding is often the closest friend of the groom. So Jesus is saying, you guys are my inner circles of friends. And if you look in the Old Testament, there's only one person that he considered um, that was called a friend of God. And who was that? Good. Abraham. Abraham was considered not only a servant of God, but he was considered a friend of God. If you look in Second Chronicles 20, verse 7, it says, For therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality, 
I'm sorry, we are in verse Second Chronicles 20, verse 7. I'm sorry, I was reading 19. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? All right. Also, if you look in James chapter. James chapter. I want to say four. It also refers to Abraham as being God's friend. I'm sorry. Let's look in verse two. I'm sorry. Chapter two, verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. So if you look in the Old Testament, Abraham was considered the friend of God. However, in the New Testament, if you're a believer, all of us are friends of God. We are friends of the king. Um, He goes on to say that as a friend, you share things with friends. You share your intimate thoughts with your friend. A friend knows what's going on. A servant doesn't know what's going on. A servant or a slave, they are servant or slave back in that time was considered a living tool. A a servant had to do what his master told him to do without reason, without explanation. He just had to do what the master said to do. Jesus said, you are my friends. Why? Because I tell you everything the father has shared with me. And that's a close relationship. That's a close friendship. Um, The extent of his friendship is described where he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. This is Jesus hinting towards the death of his cross. He's telling his disciples, and I'm not sure they're getting it, that I'm going to die for you guys. I'm going to die for you guys. That's the extent of my death. And the proof of our love is not in our feelings, but in our actions. Even to the extent of laying down our lives for Christ and for one another, as stated in 1 John 3.16. Which says, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, we, we, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brother. That's the true extent of a friendship, where someone lays down their life for you. But Jesus, again superseded that because if you go to Romans Jesus not only laid down his life for his friends he laid down his life for his enemies and that's in Romans 5 and verse 8 it says but God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. And verse 10 says this, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So God didn't make, God didn't wait till we got it right to um, lay down his life for us. He sent his son and, and he, he died for us while we were yet a sinner. That's a special thing. Um, great sacrifice one of the greatest sacrifices that one can do is to lay down his life for his friends. 
I want to take time to say that Christian love means treating others the way God treats us. All right? That's not, it's not feelings-based. It's the way that God treats us is the way we should treat others. I want to take a little bit of time to um, <clears throat> also talk about the test of Christ's friendship, which is obedience. In John fifteen fourteen, he says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So there's obedience tied to this. Obedience, if you do whatever, if you, if you do what I command you, you are his friends. And as Christians, that should be our goal, to do whatever Christ is telling us to do, we are to be obedient. Even if it don't feel right, we need to be obedient to what God is telling us to do. I want to take a quick insert and talk about friends, because um, all of us have friends. All of us um, have been a friend to someone, and I hope that we can become better friends as a result of hearing the word of God. But let's look at Proverbs, and you don't have to go there. I'm just going to go quickly through a few things that the word of God says about friends. Proverbs 18:24 says, a friend sticks closer than a brother. Okay? That's a true friend, someone who's going to be there with you through it all. They stick closer than a brother. Proverbs 12, 26 says, a righteous man is cautious in friendship. In other words, everybody you meet ain't your friend. Okay? Everybody you meet is not your friend. A, a righteous man is going to study a person a little bit. I'm going to get to know you a little bit, see what your ways like, and then I'm going to decide if we can be friends. Because a righteous person is cautious. They don't just go up to everybody and say, hey, we're friends, we're pals, we're cool, we're going to hang out tomorrow, let's go to the, to the um, hangout spot, cookout or whatever. <laughs> um, but a righteous man is cautious in friendship. Uh, Proverbs seventeen nineteen, it says what? Whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. This is talking about gossip. I don't want to step on no toes. I know we all friends, but we should not be talking about one another. Amen. We should not be doing that. That's that's that. If you want to divide a friendship quicker than anything, that's the way to go. And that's not the way to go. Um, Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times. That's a true friend. No matter what you're going through, a friend is going to loveth at all times. That's a true friend. It doesn't matter what's going on with the individual. A true friend is going to stick by you through it all. You guys may have some disagreements, and that's natural, um, but it don't have to separate you. I know some people, if you don't agree with them, they stop being your friend. If you don't agree with them, they will just cut you off. And I'm just like, wow. I have many of friends, and I got plenty of friends who don't agree with me, but thank God we're still friends. But I can agree. <laughs> I can agree to disagree. I can agree to disagree. Um, Proverbs twenty two twenty four says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Why is that? Because they're going to keep you in trouble. They're going to keep you in trouble. I had a cousin, hot-headed, stayed in like to fight a lot. I said, look, man, we can't hang out. I'll see you at the cookout. At the family get-together, I'll see you. But other than that, I just can't hang with you. You're so hot-tempered that anything sets you off, and it's going to put me in trouble. All right, and then Proverbs 27.6 says, 
Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And this is where it could get a little touchy. Because when you have to go to a friend and tell them something that they may not be comfortable with, um, it could cause some uncomfortable feelings. But Proverbs says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, meaning this. As your friend, I'm going to tell you some things. It might hurt you, but you could better believe it could be trusted. Right? Um, I met a girl, a young lady at work. Um, she was just... Uh, she's going to get married, and she said, I got three best friends, and um, I don't know who to pick as my maid of honor. I said, what? I said, well, well, which one would tell you the truth? And, and she said this particular one, and, and, um, and we talked about it a little bit, because I know that sometimes friends have a hard time sharing some hard things with people. But if you're going down that wedding aisle, ladies, and you have a dress that don't look right on you, you need that friend that's going to be honest with you. <laughs> Amen? You need that friend that's going to be, hey, look, that's a cute dress and you like it, but that dress is not you. So you need a friend that can tell you some things that it might hurt you, but they're going to keep it real. Right? And we all need friends like that, right? <laughs> Amen? Sometimes we avoid those friends because it can hurt our feelings, but um, we need friends like that. I can remember about three weeks ago, I needed to tell a friend something. And I just, I couldn't figure out how to tell him. I was like, man, Lord, I don't want to come across as judgmental, but I got to tell him this. I, I just had to tell him. So anyway, I, I'm working on tack. I'm working on tack. So what I have to do is this. I have a good trusted friend that I go to. I say, look, man, I got to say this to a friend of mine. I'm going to say it like this. How does that sound to you? He said, well, it sounds good. You know, I mean, sounds good. Go with it. Da, da, da. So when I eventually go to the friend and tell him I'm just nervous as can be, I'm like, oh, gosh, I got to tell him. So I tell him and I'm looking at him just looking for any type of response. And he's like, I was like, you good with that? And he was like, yeah, I'm cool. And I'm still kind of nervous. Like, did he really receive that? OK, after I was nervous for about a week before I had to tell him. But you know what he said? He said, hey, man, I just appreciate you keeping it real. I really appreciate you keeping it real. And a good friend can appreciate that. And I do have other friends, and we all have other friends, that you know that before you go to them, you're going to have to season it up real good. <laughs> you're going to have to season it up. And I, I know my friends enough where I know if I go to this person, I'm going to have to put some salt on it, sugar on it. I'm going to have to put it on it so that they can receive it. But you got to know your friends. Let's get back. That was just a little side note. Let's get back to um, crucial conversations. Let's look at his commission to his disciples. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That word appointed or in some of your Bibles is the word ordained. It means it refers to the act of setting someone apart for a special service to bear fruit is to live a godly life and to share the love of God to others, to witness to people. So what Jesus is basically saying here is that he's saying, Hey guys, I chose you. I chose you guys. I wanted you to be in my inner circle. And he's saying, I have chosen you not that so that we could just hang out, kick it and have fun, but I chose you guys so that you can bear fruit. And that, that, and that that fruit should remain. 
When a knight came to the court of King Arthur, he did not come to spend the rest of his days in nightly feasting or fellowship. He came to the king saying, send me out on some great task which I can do for chivalry and for you. Jesus chose us first to come into him and then to go out into the world. And that's what uh, Lee was sharing, that when Jesus chooses us, he don't just choose us just to stay there. He wants us to bear fruit, to live a godly life, and to win people to Christ. Right? So true fruit, it remains. Right? True fruit remains. Man-made results will eventually disappear. If you cut an apple open, you'll see some seeds at the core. That's true fruit. That's real fruit. It has seeds. At the very core of a Christian should be love. It should be love. We shouldn't be judgmental of others. We shouldn't be legalistic of others. We should love each other. The results of bearing fruit and being obedient is answered prayer. If you look in John 15, 16, it says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. The last part of that is answer prayer, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. The results of bearing fruit and being obedient to God equals answer prayer. If we would do that, if we would do that, our prayers will get answered. Finally, he ends with the same command that he started with in this text. He says, These things I command you so that you will love one another. And this type of love is attractive. This type of love is that when people see you at work, when they see you out in the community, when your family members see you, they should want to know what's on the inside of this person that that makes them the way who they are. What are you doing to attract people to Christ? Is your lifestyle so attractive that others can say, man, I want to be like that guy, or I want to be like that woman. And it's really not you, it's what's inside of you. It's the, it's the God in you that's the reason for who you are. And that's what we should be doing, to pe- doing for people, attracting them to, to God. Jesus sends us out not to argue men into Christianity, still less to threaten them into it, not to talk about Christianity, but to attract men into Christianity. So to live it that the fruits of it may be so wonderful that others may desire them for themselves. I had a supervisor and I have a supervisor. He's my current supervisor now. I can remember a few years when I started working for him. His leadership style was so attractive that I decided to ask him um, just Um, with trying to just figure out why is he so different than every other boss or employer that I work for. So I just went to him. I said, Dan, I said, what church you go to? I'm just curious. I mean, his servant leadership was so attractive that I just said, I need to find out what makes him this type of a leader, different from all of the rest. And so my hope is this, that whatever you do, wherever you're at, whether you're in college, at a job, church, or what have you, that our lifestyle will be so attractive that people can wonder, what is it about that person? What is it about that person that makes them do what they do, how they do it? This person is so loving towards others. While everybody else at work gossiping about this person, this other person is saying, 
you should be praying for them. Let's just pray for them. You don't have to contribute to the gospel. Just say, hey, I just want to pray for this person. That's going to make you stand out. It's going to make you stand out. I want to end with this verse. First John chapter four, verse seven. It says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And that's the type of love that we want to show people. That's the type of love that will win people to Christ. Um, if we if this message of the cross is going to stick, if it's going to really stick like that snow is sticking outside, <laughs> if it's really going to stick, we have to love one another. I believe that one of the number one reasons why we're not winning more people to Christ is because of what's going on right here. And I don't, I'm not saying cornerstone. I mean, Christians abroad. If we could just love each other a little bit more here. As Christ said, to love one another, if we could do that, I believe we will win more people to Christ than ever before. If we could do it right here, if we could start it right here so people can really believe that this message is real. Let's do it on a real level. As far as I don't I didn't want to go down this road, but I'll go down this road for about 30 seconds. Husband, husband and wives present a real message to your children. A real message of the cross. Don't just speak it. Don't just preach it. You know, live it. I promise you, if you live it, they'll see it and they'll hear it. But they, they want to see you living it. Singles, all of us, we got to live a life that's pleasing to God. Thank you all for your time. I appreciate it. And I hope everybody is safe going home. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.